eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back in to the Lions 24-7 podcast, our first episode of April, a 70-degree day here in State College on a Tuesday. We're recording on Tuesday evening, fresh off the practice field uh, with Penn State football in action, getting ready for their return to Beaver Stadium next Saturday, April 15th for the Blue-White game. Hope to see a lot of you out there. Uh, We've got our practice notes and a full photo gallery up on the site here on a Tuesday night. We'll have a lot more content coming from those conversations. Deion Barnes made his debut, the new defensive line coach for Penn State, in a media session with us tonight. We also heard from a couple quarterbacks. Perhaps you have heard of Drew Aller by now. Uh, Bo Prabula also available to discuss Zane Durant, Kalen King, some defensive standouts. So a lot to break down in our next episode of the podcast. We'll have Daniel Gallon, Mark Brennan back on. We have some recruiting to get to a little bit later in the show. Penn State picked up a commitment, very impressive one at that, a four-star defensive back out of Florida. During the weekend, Tyler Calvaruso is going to hop on board, discuss that addition to the 2024 recruiting class, as well as some other big pieces in play. He's got a crystal ball pick in as well that turns some heads. But we begin the conversation with a return guest here in the Lions 24-7 podcast. Proud to say this is his third time be joining us and it's Brandon Short, former All-American linebacker uh, with the Penn State Nittany Lions and a current member of the Penn State Board of Trustees. Brandon, welcome back and thank you for your time. We always appreciate that and, and your insight. Thanks for having me. Um, we have a lot to get to here. You are directly involved in Penn State leadership and there are a lot of questions right now about where Penn State athletics are, are going in this modern era of athletics. A lot of attention particularly paid, Brandon, on the NIL element of college sports right now and the aftermath of a major change for the basketball team and and with the football program trying to make major strides in that department, what would you say to our listening audience about how important and imperative NIL aspect is in college athletics today? Um, It's tremendously important and it's, it's a changing frontier, right? NIL just came along a few years ago and there's no real, there's no real rules around it. And a lot of people don't, understand it because it just came onto the scene but it's about it stands for name image and likeness and it's now that players can now be compensated for their use of name image and likeness and what you know programs have done is they're they've become bidding wars you know on players in terms of recruiting and in terms of retention Um, you have arch manning you know making 3.7 million dollars you have the Heisman Trophy winner out in USC, you know, making over two two million dollars. 
Um, they're big numbers. Um, they're numbers that, you know, are take people back, especially when you think about for, you know, a college kid that is unproven. But this is the, the landscape that we're playing in. And if we want to be competitive, we're either going to choose to play in that landscape or choose not to be competitive. And we're Penn Staters. I'm a, I'm, I'm a competitor um, and I want to win and be the best at everything. So we need to figure out a way um, to get there. I think when the NIL um, emergence came along in college athletics, there was so much focus on the impact for the athletes, which makes a lot of sense. But now we're discovering the impacts and the ramifications for the leaders of these major college programs because you used to hear head coaches talk about, hey, you want to take care of your family and yourself financially. You want the facilities to be where they need to be. You want to be able to hire guys for your staff. But now you got to be able to retain players and you want to be able to realistically compete in that arms race to bring in the top recruits in the country. So how much of it is a major aspect and whatever a head coach is going to be comfortable on a campus. And in that regard, what can you shed some light on with Micah Shrewsbury's departure and how NIL and that evolving landscape maybe played a role? Well, I mean, like, like losing, losing Micah, you know, was heartbreaking. And I think it was, it was a wake up call um, for me. And I hope it's a wake up call, you know, for all of Nittany Nation that if we don't, if we're not aligned, if we're not, if the administration isn't, you know, paying the coaches and investing in facilities. If the play, if the fans aren't going to the Bryce Jordan Center, packing the Bryce Jordan Center, supporting the team, win, lose, or draw, or and if we don't have donors that are, that are contributing to NIL, you know, we that a, a coach is going to make a decision to go to the place where they have the most resources. Yes, Michael Strewsbury, you know, was from Indiana, and you know, he, he went to a school that was based in Indiana. But if Penn State were delivering on NIL, there's no question Micah wouldn't have left. He, he called us 14 out of 14 um, in the Big Ten. And when we finally like, get the picture, when Georgetown and other schools start calling Micah, we schedule a call with major, major donors and boosters. And I've shared this in, in other platforms, but, you know, I struggle, you know, to speak about these things because I'm I want to do what's in Penn State's best interest. But there's been an internal battle going on in the athletic department for years with a set of alumni trustees working to undermine our athletic department. These same alumni trustees have injected themselves into success with honor. And on that call with Micah Shrewsbury, one of those trustees interrupted him while he was making his introduction at a time when he's saying that we're 14 out of 14. He's begging for help and support from the community, interrupts him, addresses himself as a member of the board of trustees and a founding partner with Success with Honor and tells him we need to support 31 other sports. Now, just imagine how you would feel if you were in a situation where you're trying to do the best you can to build your program, you haven't had exposure to major donors and boosters and you get it. And the first time you speak, you're interrupted and they tell you, you got to support 31 other sports. Two months later, he's on a flight to South Bend, Indiana. So that, that we need to be aligned, you know, from top to bottom and the elements that are working to undermine our athletic department need to be muted. And they're only going to be muted if people are made aware of it, which is why I'm speaking out. 
I mean, you talked about Shrewsbury was public in those statements. It wasn't just something that was behind closed doors and saying 14 out of 14. He said that in a, in a press conference setting. We've heard James Franklin raise some flags uh, in the last couple of years about needing to keep up in a competitive environment. He says if the fan base and, and the culture is to expect to compete against the Ohio State and Michigans of the world, you got to do it off the field as well. So I, I guess without going too far down the James Franklin path, because he's obviously got a long-term deal coming off a very successful season, but when you see a coach that you clearly were really fond of in Micah Shrewsbury, who had success here, and he's poached away by another program and doing some part to this lack of emphasis on the NIL structure – is this a wake-up call, a shot across the bow in some ways regarding the football program? I mean, we, we have the same issues in, in, in football. You know, there, there might be more support, you know, for football than there was for basketball, but we're, we're nowhere near as competitive as to where, you know, where we want to be. Um, you know, that you have some of the top players in the country, you know, in our locker room. And if other – they're on Twitter – they see social media. They know what their ratings is, are and what they're worth. And you know, if we're not stepping up, at least meeting them halfway, because Penn State is a great place, and I'm sure people want to be here for more than just money. But uh, if you're a kid that comes from an inner city like me, housing project where you don't your your family can barely afford to eat, and somebody's saying, "I'm going to give you a million dollars if you go from Penn State to to Notre Dame." I'm going to have to be on the next flight to South Bend because I won't have a choice. And that's, that's, that's what these kids, you know, are, are facing. And when we think about NIL, you know, we, we often, you know, think about sort of the large donors, right. That you, you have to be a, a whale to deliver and that those, they I truly appreciate them and we need more of them to, to be successful, but we, we can do it, you know, as fans at, at, look, Penn state has, 750,000 alumni, they have the largest, most active alumni base in the country. If you have $18 million, you're, you're the top a year, you're the top NIL collective in the country. So if every alumni contributed $24 a year, that's $2 a month, we would have $18 million a year and we would be the number one collective in the country. Now, is it realistic that every alumni is, is going to contribute? No, but I just wanted to, to map out some math to emphasize that with small donations roll up the big ones and they, and, and they matter. Every dollar matters. All the support matters. You referenced the collective. You already referenced success with honor. That has been the catch-all uh, for, for the entire sports department here at Penn State in terms of the NIL collective aspect. It's also been the catch-all for a lot of heat in the last couple of weeks after Micah Shrewsbury's exit, following some of the discussions that have emerged. And obviously now you're speaking uh, you know, with some emphasis about the subject. Where is success with honor right now? Do you think there's a solution to be found uh, to make this a sustainable um, benefit for the university? Or do you think right now some of that infighting that you've mentioned is poisoning the well? Well, I mean, there is success with honor. That Mike Motti is coming out with a football-only um, collective Lions Legacy Club. But in terms of success with honor, I, I know a lot of the people that that founded Success with Honor, and I have a tremendous amount of respect for them, and they've they've been fantastic, quite frankly, stewards of the university. But they've allowed an insidious element 
to, to, in, to come in and be the face of their organization. You can't be the face of the NFL, NIL collective and have never met with our head football coach who has been here for nine years. You know, not only, you know, have they ever, they never met with the coach and I, I struggle to say this, but this is just true that a few years ago, I could sense some of the tension, you know, between a particular alumni elected trustee and the football program in general and tried to broker, you know, a meeting between the coach and a particular trustee that that particular alumni trustee initially agreed to take the meeting and then ultimately never scheduled the meeting saying that they were too busy. Now, what would now how in the world can that those people be involved with the NIL collective when they not only did not take a meeting, not only did have they not met with, with the head coach, they've intentionally snubbed the head coach and, and, and refused to meet with the football head coach. It, it is, it, I am compelled to speak out about this only because I've been working behind the scenes for years to try to do something to prevent what's what happened in, in, in basketball from happening in football. And I'm, I'm fearful that we're on that track. I mean, James Franklin, to me, is a guy that you get anyone with a room with him, he's going to probably be able to sell them on a vision and a focus. I know that head coaches are a bit limited in how they can be involved in NIL processes, but they can still help spearhead a lot of those efforts in terms of big time brainstorming, game planning long term and making sure they got the, the plan and the structure to get their guys where they need to be. What's okay. your kind of what's your take on James Franklin's enthusiasm and What's it going to take for the other half, I guess, of the equation to meet him there? Well, James has been, been we, you know, won the, the, the Rose Bowl, you know, and have and have a top ranked team this year, you know, with 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 one hand tied behind his back. I mean, for years, there, there's been infighting about investing when Ohio State, other schools have been making those investments. And, and if we give, you know, our coach that type of support, you know, I'm confident that we'll have that type of success. Nick Saban, I'm sure, is very well connected with the, with the NIL collectives. You know, Ohio State, Ryan Day, I'm sure he's very integrally involved with it. But our NIL collectives haven't met with our head coach. You know, it, it, it goes beyond that. It's they, they've gone to a level of disrespect that only could be addressed if it's made public. James Franklin came to our board meeting, your know, public board meeting with a Rose Bowl trophy, literally got a standing ovation. But with it and two trustees refused to shake his hand. He tapped the trustee on the shoulder and they refused to shake his hand. How can these people be involved with the collective? If you are a head coach, what, what are you thinking if someone does that? So. It, 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 we are at a very in a, a pivotal point in our athletic department and a pivotal point for the university, you know, because athletics is is what athletics is far from the most important thing that we do. The most important thing that we do is we educate. But, you know, when the athletic teams do well, you know, it increases applications. You know, it helps re recruit talented professors and staff. It helps with philanthropy. It helps local business. You know, Alabama's rankings after investing in Nick Saban, 
and 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 their, and their basketball program, you know, have gone from one of the lowest ranked schools to being the, the being a, 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 a very respectable, highly ranked institution. And, and Penn State is all those things and more. But we just can't we can't sit on our hands and we have to address the the pertinent issues that are holding us back head on. You've discussed those obstacles then. What are some actionable ways that you see yourself, other leadership members, whether it's in the NIL sector, in the board of trustees sector, and just the average alum out there, what are some actionable ways to make that impact here uh, in the coming days, weeks, months, what have you, uh, as, as NIL and the college landscape changes day by day by day? Well, first, gift to gift. With, give to success with honor. You know, they once they get aligned, you know, they're going to they they're helping. They want to benefit the university, but the two the two trustees that are involved need to be separated. But we need to give the collective. We need to support. You know, Lions Legacy Club. You know, I, I I'm 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 with Mike Motti, and I'm close with him, and I agree with a lot of his views. You know, on nil. That you know, football and basketball, you know, are the revenue drivers, and they need to have a collective. But success with honor, we need to support success with honor as well. But once they get aligned, because we have 29 other sports with amazing athletes that deserve our our support too. But but football and basketball are the only two profitable sports that support the 850 other student athletes. The reality, if the football program wasn't profitable, you know, we wouldn't have the other sports to support, which is why we need to have that emphasis, you know, on those programs. It didn't take long for this athletic department to have to make a major move after Michael Shrewsbury leaves. There's a major absence there. Um, and Mike Rhodes fills it one week later. Pat yep. Kraft, you know, certainly a lot of focus on him. Uh, less than one year on the on the job. Was the NIL situation able to be reassessed in a timely manner where you could, uh, from your understanding, present a, a plan to Mike Rhodes that, that he viewed as sustainable and, and legitimate? Because I'd imagine if a coach is leaving, and that's part of the reason, whoever is coming wants to make sure they've got some things checked off their list. I, 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 don't, have any, I don't have any visibility on the discussions that happened with Mike Rhodes you know, before mm -hmm. you know, he, came, he came on. You know, I stay in my lane and that's the that's the athletic department, the athletic director's you know, job to make those decisions and make those calls. And I have full faith, you know, in Pat Kraft. You know, I, 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 I love Pat's mentality as a linebacker mentality. You know, I'm a linebacker and I can relate to it. You know, he's, he's aggressive. He's thoughtful. He knows the business and he really wants to win. And, I, and I'm, I'm ecstatic that Mike Rhodes is here. Welcome, welcome him and his family to the Penn State family. You know, he's a PA guy. His father was a state senator. You know, he's won. He's been to the NCAA tournament three times and a proven winner. And he wants to be here long term. But we, we need to come out and support Mike and support his, his coaching staff and support any players that he brings in and make them feel like they, 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 they want it. And, and, and make them realize, you know, Penn State is the place to be. Brandon, we're coming up on a board of trustees alumni election. It begins April 10th, just a matter of days at this point. Um, from your perspective, uh, what is in the best interest of, of Penn State fans who feel like what you're saying is resonating with them? 
what, what's their what's their move and what's kind of the scope of what lies ahead where, with the elections? Well, first, you get they have to, to go to the Board of Trustees website and register. Find the link and register to vote. There's an alumni uh, election coming up because it lasts from April 10th um, to May 4th. And leadership matters. So what it shows who's on the board matters. A lot of the issues that people are upset about, they have a voice on and the and who's in leadership counts. And there are three alumni elected trustees that are incumbents who all voted against Flash. And reasonable people can disagree on funding and on why we're spending, but, they, but at least two of them have done you know, other things that make it clear that they have nefarious motives. Go out and vote. You know, vote for Ali Krieger, Randy Houston, and Uma Moriarty. Ali Krieger, Randy Houston, and Uma Moriarty. I mean, that's who I'm supporting. Um, you you do research, figure out who who you want to support. But that, those are the people I think that are most aligned, not just for athletics, but the, that have the skill set and the the experience to help guide the university in all aspects. Is there anything else that we didn't hit on in, in, in this part of the discussion? I do want to ask you a football-related question. I do have an, a former All-American linebacker on the show, but anything in this particular part of the discussion that we didn't touch on that while you're here with a microphone in front of you, you want to get out there? Just, just that we need alignment. And the Penn State is a great place. Like to, to be clear with everyone, the reason why like I'm so passionate and so many of our people are so passionate is because we love Penn State. You know, Joe Paterno and Penn State, they saved my life. And I want to do everything that I can to make sure that Penn State is successful in all areas for generations to come. So lest we should all come together, a call to action to support the university in every aspect so that we can leave Penn State in a better place for our kids and, and our other future Nittany lines. <laughs> Brandon, if I could just finish with a couple football notes here. You, you've mentioned it before. Uh, there's a lot of expectations around this 2023 Nittany Lions squad, depending on what preseason projections, number five, number seven, but they're up there. And potential college football playoff contention. We've got players telling us that's the goal now. What are you making of where Penn State is coming off of the Rose Bowl win, losing all six team captains, but with this swell of young talent that's not so young anymore? Um, it, it, I mean, it, it's just really, it's really exciting time to to be a Nittany Lion. I mean, the, we we had Sean Clifford, you know, who's led us for years, and we, he's done such a great job. And I'm sad to like, I'm a big, big Sean Clifford fan, and sad to see him go. But now we have Drew Alar, you know, with the top rated quarterback in America that can that's going to be calling our huddle. And we have running backs. We have an offensive line and defensive line, and we have we have a depth that you know we have not you know seen in in many years. You know at Penn State, that if you know a key person goes down, we lose. We lost Olu. You know last year, who's was arguably the best offensive tackle in the country, and we have you know Shelton, and we have other the young people that are stepping in that are holding them up their own. So that, that that we're we're at a stage now where you know we're on the cusp of where we were we're already special. We're on the cusp of the world knowing that we're special. All right, and as an esteemed member of LBU, I've got to leave you with this one: a uh, young fellow by the name of Abdul Carter. Everyone wants to talk about him, ask about him here as he's getting ready for his sophomore season. Freshman All American last year, broke into the starting lineup during Big Ten action. What did you make of watching him do his work in year one and? 
where is his future with this football program? So, so on Abdul Carter's first play at Penn State, he got in the game and he got a targeting. And when he went over as a linebacker, of course, I didn't think it was an actual targeting. But, <laughs> of course. Um, you know, that, that, that's what they're calling these days. And I saw his explosion in how he reacted when he got to the ball. And, and I, I'm not just saying this because what happens is like, that kid is special. I mean, to just one play, or what his explosiveness, the way he got to the ball, and his intention when he got there was to punish the, the man with the ball. So it, it's uh, I, I'm really excited. You know, I'm really excited about all the linebackers, excited about the defensive line, the secondary, um, the, the defense plays, the, they, they play together. You know, they have the air raid, you know, sign, <laughs> yep. you know the gas throw up. I mean, it, it's it's exciting to watch. Um, yeah, there, there's a, a ton of expectation, but I'm sure they have bigger expectations than any fans or you or I can ever have. Yeah, Terry Smith has the uh, the lockdown you emblem now back there that, that he's trying to hold up, and they got that gesture as you as you did. I'm not going to try to emulate it. You we're, nailed we're, it. We're still LBU though. Don't don't forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's forgetting. Nobody's forgetting that. All right, he is Brandon Short. Was a phenomenal linebacker with the Nittany Lions, and now a key leadership member here for the university with the board of trustees. And as you heard, passionate about Penn State, uh, well beyond just the football facilities. Brandon, thank you so much for the time and for your perspective on a lot. And I have a feeling we'll be hearing from you again as things go down the road and and Penn State tries to make strides in some key areas. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, let's get into it with Tyler Calvaruzzo here because that was fantastic stuff from Brandon Short, but we're going to switch gears. And Penn State football recruiting in the spotlight again this past Saturday. It was a wake-up call for a lot of Penn State fans. I don't know how many people got the notification before they got out of bed, but Penn State picked up a really impressive cornerback who was on campus. And Mr. Calvaruzzo, uh, this is another win for Terry Smith. Yeah, you know, that uh, that commitment came on April Fool's morning, too. So, you know, you got to double check and make sure everything's legit these days. But, yeah, man, you pretty much just laid it out. It was a big time get for a multitude of reasons, the first of which being John Mitchell pretty much became Penn State's top 2024 cornerback target. It really, I would say it started when he visited in October for the whiteout game against Minnesota. That was when his interest kind of went to the next level. And then as Penn State went on evaluating and as its cornerback board continued to take shape, his name kept rising and rising. And, you know, I'm not sure if anyone thought it was going to wrap up this soon with Mitchell, but he got on campus and he felt right at home and Penn State sealed the deal. 
when you talk about what Terry Smith has been able to accomplish these last couple of cycles, I mean, what was it? Four straight cycles of the top 24-7 commit in his class, and Terry Smith really steering the ship in the secondary, another really talented get out of Florida, and it's probably not the last one to come in this cycle, to be honest with you. Yeah, we'll get into that in just a bit. And, and John Mitchell, Adam Mandarin, the number 19 uh, cornerback prospect by 24-7 Sports Evaluation. He's at number 208 overall with a 90 rating. And just to review a bit of, of what we've seen Terry Smith get done. And by the way, just a reminder, Terry Smith was an original member of that James Franklin staff that was assembled back in 2014. Uh, obviously a former receiver with the Nittany Lions. But what he's done in this cornerback room um, – this is now four consecutive cycles in which they've added a top 24-7 cornerback recruit. Uh, Cam Miller has been one of those talks of spring ball thus far, as we've discussed, I think, off-air, Tyler Calvaruso. He's a guy that's making a lot of noise in that room. Even though it's very crowded, he's going to come on strong. Kaitlin King, you lose uh, cornerback one potentially in the 2023 draft. You might have cornerback one in the 2024 draft in Kaitlin King. You bring in an all-conference uh, player in Storm Duck from North Carolina, a guy who's been a seamless addition to this cornerback spot. And then throw in the fact that Johnny Dixon, in my opinion, him and Daquan Hardy, I think some people can kind of look past them because of some of the other younger risers and what Kaitlin King has done. But Johnny Dixon, one of the more impressive cornerbacks in the Big Ten last year near the line of scrimmage. I think we could see more of him in that kind of a role this year. Uh, but also slot coverage, he's exceptional there. And, and, and Daquan Hardy has proven to be a strong fit there as well. So Manny Diaz, it's not just about what they have on the perimeter. This cornerback room, whether it's depth, whether it's using three or four cornerbacks in the field at once, they've tapped into it all. And a guy like John Mitchell is going to give them more options. Why do you think it made sense? Because with this prospect profile, Mitchell could have taken this a lot longer, made official visits, and I guess he still could while we're talking about a four-star Florida recruit committing to the Nittany Lions. Yeah, I mean, we know how everything goes with prospects from Florida. We saw that play out with Conrad Hussey last cycle. I'm not saying that's going to happen here, but you just never know with some of these guys. Why it made sense – I think there are a couple things that went into it for both parties. I just feel like Mitchell, his relationship with Terry Smith got to a point where it was very trusting and getting on campus because they were on campus, him and uh, one of his Mandarin teammates, you know, we'll get into him in a little bit. They were on campus for a couple days and then they get to see spring practice on Saturday. And I know granted Mitchell's commitment came in the morning before they got onto the practice field. So it wasn't as important for him as maybe some others who were in attendance, but, you know, got a better idea of how we would fit in Penn State's defense and how he would fit as an outside cornerback playing for Terry Smith, playing for Manny Diaz. And really what it came down to is it kind of just all made sense for him. Like the relationship really drove this recruitment and drove Mitchell to this point. I know we talk about relationships so much in recruiting and how important it is, but every, every avenue I've explored with this John Mitchell recruitment, just it all leads back to the relationship with Terry Smith. So when you praise Smith for this recruitment, it's well-deserved because really without him, I'm not really sure where Penn State is in this race. Smith did such a good job with him. He loves the school. You know, Mitchell's a big academic guy as well, so he liked the academic plan that was laid out for him. And the, like I said, it was just – it made it made sense for him. It felt right. And he's looking to get back for his official in June. And he's not the most vocal guy in the world. You know, you're not going to see him on Twitter being all rah-rah for Penn State. But – He's going to play his part as a class leader as an early commit. You know, he's going to help Penn State in the region from what I've been hearing. So it's a good get for Penn State. It's an important one. You're not only getting a good player, but you're getting a really good kid. 
And he joins Kenny Woosley out of Imhotep in Philadelphia as two four-star composite cornerbacks in this class thus far. We talked about Woosley uh, quite a bit in March when he committed about his potential to really fill that slot coverage role as well down the road. But another cornerback, and, and the road leads back to Mandarin High School in Jacksonville, Florida, because as you said, it was a, a tandem trip up to campus. And the other part of that tandem was Antoine Belgrave Shorter. Uh, he's a three-star in the composite and a three-star by 24-7 sports, but an 87 rating, number 52 overall at the position, and a new recipient of your latest crystal ball. Another situation where it kind of just makes sense, you know, not even with Mitchell being committed now, that's definitely a draw for Belgrave Shorter. You know, that, that's something they've discussed teaming up the next level. It's something they would like to do. It's not the end-all be-all in Belgrave Shorter's recruitment by any stretch, but Again, you have another recruitment where Terry Smith has done a very good job of building a trusting relationship. And I mentioned that Mitchell's interest in Penn State kind of heightened when he made it to campus in October for the whiteout game. Belgrave Shorter joined him for that visit, and he didn't have an offer from the Nittany Lions at that point in time. But he was very in tune to what was going on that day, and his interest in the program skyrocketed that day as well. And Penn State's his pretty clear leader at this point. I was kind of hesitant to put in the crystal ball pick at first just because, you know, Coming off an unofficial visit, you kind of want to wait and see what happens, what comes about in the following days and weeks, because there's always that post-visit high. You know, it's a natural thing for recruits. Everyone really experiences it, some more than others, but to some extent, there's always some sort of post-visit high. But there was a lot more that went into this crystal ball pick than just a really good unofficial visit. From an academic standpoint, we talked about Mitchell as a high-end student. I mean, from what I've been here, Belgrave Shorter is pushing he's either pushing a 4.0 GPA or he's an above a 4.0 GPA. So I, I think that's something that really speaks to him as a character guy. He told me that he's, he's looking to learn more about the academic side of things when he gets back for his official visit on June 9th. That's also worth noting. He's not going to be on the same official visit weekend as John Mitchell as things stand right now. So he's going to get his own individual look at things, which, again, like I said, them playing together – it's not the end-all, be-all. You know, they don't have to do everything together. He's going to be on campus on his own, getting his own perspective along with his family. So that's going to be important. And it's kind of something that we also talked about with Jameer Grimsley as well, feeling good enough to lock down an official visit after already after a multi-day visit to campus. When you come back, when you want to come back and learn more about a program, you've already checked out for multiple days and got a really good look at things already. Belgrave Shorter told me from a football perspective, he's seen pretty much all he already needs to see. And then you're going to come back for another multi-day stay where you get an even more in-depth look at the inner workings of the school, the academics, the nutrition, the strength and conditioning stuff. It speaks to a prospect's level of interest. So I feel good about the crystal ball for Belgrave Shorter. Let, let me be clear. I don't think anything is imminent by any stretch. He wants to get back to Miami for a visit, for another visit, because he was there with Mitchell during the week leading up to their Penn State visit. They were in Coral Gables. He wants to get to South Carolina. So this is by no means done, but I think it's trending heavily in the Nittany Lions' favor. Of course, last year, Penn State goes down to, to South Florida, St. Thomas Aquinas, that powerhouse, uh, plucks a couple of pledges, carries two of them a long way. One doesn't quite reach the finish line, and, and Conrad Hussey, the other, is due on campus in a couple of months, and King Mack, who's, who's going to be playing safety for the Nittany Lions in 2023. And you mentioned another Florida defensive back, and I just want to finish off with some final thoughts on the cornerback board because it seems to be taking shape with two guys on board one trending in the right direction based on your calculation and conversations. But Jameer Grimsley, that six foot three athlete from Tampa Catholic who blew up and has 30 offers at this point and really has taken a liking to the Nittany Lions. Fair to say he's the top priority left on that board. It's him and Belgrave shorter. It seems like mm -hmm. I, I feel like if 
Terry Smith is able to go land those two, he can pretty much just kick up his feet for the rest of the cycle and kind of <laughs> relax, relax a little bit because those are his top guys right now. They're very high on the board. Penn State's open to taking as many f- as four corners this cycle from what I've been hearing. So you go and get those two guys. I mean, you're sitting pretty at the position. You pretty much at that point, you landed all of your top targets for the cycle with Wosley included. Yeah. Well, how about this, Tyler? Kalen King, things go according to plan. He's getting ready for the NFL draft, getting ready to hear his name called in round one next year. Johnny Dixon's going to be moving on after this year. Daquan Hardy moving on after this year. Storm Duck is going to be a one-and-done situation with the Nittany Lions. So, yeah, we like a lot of those components, and they just brought in a three-man class at cornerback. We've heard good things there about Cam Miller. But there is it makes a lot of sense to have an influx of talent within this class. And, and we know Terry Smith not shy about sending out those true freshmen if they live up to it on the practice field. He has proven that on a year-by-year basis. Uh, Tyler, let's jump into some other recruiting topics here. And uh, one is a crystal ball on the basketball court. And I don't know if we've ever visited a crystal ball pick for you uh, when it comes to basketball on this podcast, but Penn State's got a roster to rebuild, and VCU seems to be losing their roster, and it's not that hard to start putting two and two together. And you've got a prediction in for the big fish coming out of VCU's roster. You know, you're right. I don't think we have talked about a basketball crystal ball pick. When I Let's put in do the it. Pick, when I put in the pick for Carrie Booth, I think he committed by the time we, were, we got around to an episode. So it was kind of – it was already out the window. Too soon, man. Too yeah. soon. <laughs> oh, we got a new pick in for him soon. You know, if you're lying 24-7 subscribers, you know all Too about soon. That. Too soon. Yeah. <laughs> but – when it comes to the present, ace ball when you know, reigning A-10 player of the year, reigning A-10 defensive player of the year, was such an integral part of Mike Rhodes' team at VCU, an NCAA tournament team that, you know, let's say Rhodes stayed at VCU for another year and, you know, a lot of those guys weren't exploring other options right now. You're looking at a potential preseason top 25 team. They have all those pieces, and Baldwin was the leader of that. And he entered the portal. He actually entered the portal during Rhodes' introductory press conference. At Penn <laughs> How about State. that? Yeah. Exactly. And it's looking like we've been hearing a lot of good things about Baldwin to Penn State. That's what caused that crystal ball pick. That's what went into it. Just, again, the comfort level with Rhodes and Baldwin being a high major talent coming out of high school, decided to go to the A-10, A-10 to play for Rhodes, mainly because of Rhodes and Jamal Brunt. Those two guys were huge reasons why he shunned some really good programs to go play at a mid-major school. He trusted that coaching staff with his development, and they got him to the point where he's a conference player of the year. And now he's going to have the opportunity to, if he chooses to, to come to the Big Ten, play at Penn State. You know, there's some increased exposure there. There's an uptick in competition. We're talking about a guy who wants to go to the league. That's his ultimate goal here. Playing Playing against the likes of, you know, Michigan State and all the guards they always have. The, the bigger schools like Purdue. I, mean, I don't need to go through the laundry list. Our listeners know what the Big Ten's like. It helps you. You know, the NBA is going to find talent no matter where you are. But at the end of the day, when you have more eyes on you, like Baldwin would have in the Big Ten, it helps. And that's something he's considering as well. You know, it's not done yet. You know, options are still being explored, as we're seeing with Jalen Deloach's VCU teammate who just released his top six today. He went in-depth with us on that. So, there's a lot going on there as well, but with Baldwin, it's not done, but I like where the Nittany Lions are at for sure. Yeah, and Baldwin, when you're the conference player of the year on a tournament team, you're going to attract a lot of attention. But as I just referenced, VCU, uh, you know, the floodgates have opened for them from a roster standpoint, just like they have here with Micah Shrewsbury's players. Who else is in play? Deloach, yeah, you're looking to see who else hits the portal there. You know, Christian Furman, who's a Pennsylvania native, as far as I know, he's not in the portal yet. He's been a name tossed around as a potential portal entry who would make sense. 
for Penn State. And then Jaden Nunn, he's another guard from VCU who's in the mix. Then, you know, it's like I touched on in an earlier episode. I mean, guys, there's more to the transfer portal than VCU players. You know, Penn State's getting involved there as well. You got Caden Shedrick from Virginia. He's a big man, 6'11", was a key rotational piece for the Cavaliers this past season. A guy who started the season as Tony Bennett's starting center the past two seasons wound up falling out of the start, out of the starting lineup, but still managed to make his way back into the rotation as a key player. He's one to know. And then Josh Cohen, who's a familiar name because he was involved with Penn State before the coaching change. He visited while Michael Shrewsbury and his staff were still in place in Happy Valley. NEC Player of the Year, New Jersey native. He averaged 21-8 and eight this past season. Look – Penn State needs size. You know, we're down to two scholarship players at this point on the roster, and Kanye Clary and Demetrius Lively. You don't know what the future holds for either of them. Only one of those guys is a big man. You don't only need bodies. You need big bodies, and that's what Cohen is. So size is size. I know there are some people questioning his fit, and I think there's some justification of that because I have some questions about his potential fit in Rhodes' defense as well. But, look, you, you need a big you need some post presence, and that's what Cohen would bring. He's going to be getting on campus for a visit at some point. The day for that is still to be determined. Iowa's going to get an official visit. He's going to visit Florida as well. I've been hearing some interesting things about that. I'm not sure he's necessarily going to be a take for the Gators. We'll see what comes about there. But at the end of the day, Penn State needs a big man, and Cohen's a target right now. And so is Shedrick, but Cohen's the one that we know is making it to campus as things stand right now. Well, appreciate the the basketball information there. So much work to be done for Mike Rhodes and his yes. staff right now and uh, about maybe bringing some guys back who've already been on campus, but so much of it is about getting guys introduced to what you are serving up in Happy Valley and trying to get them on board as quickly as possible. Um, and, and we appreciate the insight over at Lions247.com. Tyler's done a great job for our VIP subscribers about what's cooking, uh, how things are trending with particular transfer players and Penn State, some profile pieces in the mix there as well. Let's finish off, though, with some football visit commentary because that has been the talk of the town here the last few weeks of March. It's going to carry over into April. We're still a little ways off about two months from the official visits becoming the centerpiece of our talk, talks here on recruiting, but the unofficials have come fast and furious and big old six foot seven North Carolina offensive lineman Egan Boyer has a ways to go in filling out that frame but hasn't prevented about two dozen schools from extending offers including the Nittany Lions. They got an up close look at him and vice versa very recently that visit went well enough he was on campus over the weekend that visit went well enough to the point where he's going to be back for an official in june it just feels like if boyer had a pretty interesting quote when brian don't caught up with him that he really likes that penn state's kind of in the middle of nowhere because that, that's what he's used to growing up in north carolina so and penn state's got that working in its favor but a big really big kid you know like you say he still needs to grow into his frame but definitely you see the height you see the frame that has the potential to be a lot of muscle added onto that. He's an intriguing prospect and a good relationship there with Phil Trotman that has formed pretty quickly. Boyer was a winter offer. He, so he's, he's relatively, I don't want to call him a new target because he's had his offer for a while. And that relationship has been, that relationship has been built for a while, but first time getting him on campus, things move nicely for Penn state, getting him back for the official in June. Still don't have a date on that yet, but Getting a bet, you know, it's what we always talk about. You get these kids on campus in the spring, you build, you get them back on June. If they're, you get, you want to get them back in June for an official if they're a top target. That's what Boyer is, and that's why he'll be making it back.
It's always nice when when there's a glowing comment about Penn State being in the middle of nowhere versus the other connotation. Uh, hopefully, for the sake of Penn State's recruitment here, they they, they drove him toward the stadium uh, through the, the farmlands and, and and next to the cows, not not just through uh, the stores. Like and, and, <laughs> but hey, it's 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 a cool place. Some people I don't love see it. In Jersey, what's that? No I cows. See, I don't see cows in Jersey, man. We're well, too condensed. Plenty of them here. You'll be back for prospect <laughs> camps, and they'll be waiting for you along with the ice cream they produce. Cooper <laughs> Cousins, by the way, remains the only offensive lineman uh, on board here uh, for the 2024 class. I had a big-time re recruiting class for the offensive line in 2023. Uh, he is the top-rated commit in this class as things currently stand in composite rankings. Um, let's finish up here with a couple more names, one of which at the tight end position. People might say, well, you just signed three of them. You've already picked up Luke Reynolds for the 2024 class. Is there room for another? Well, Brady Prescorn is going to probably knock down some doors uh, in terms of teams wanting him in their class. Six foot six, 225, 230 pounds, number three tight end in composite rankings, top 100 overall prospect, and a guy that we saw travel to Penn State last summer for some prospect camp work. Where do things stand with Prescorn at this point? Because he's been relatively quiet in terms of engaging about his recruitment process. Yeah, you know, you already got Reynolds on board, and Penn State is in a position where they could be selective at tight end moving forward. He's one of two guys that, you know, is going to have a spot in this class if he wants it at the position, the other being Caleb Odom from Georgia. From Georgia. But with Prescorn, it, it's tough. I mean, getting him on campus, I would say, is important just because he didn't make it to Michigan for the spring game when he was supposed to be there. I, I wouldn't read too deeply into and that. This is a Michigan native. Let me yes. just, I don't know if we mentioned Michigan, Rochester, Michigan. Yeah. he's Yeah. And I'm not really sure how much I would read into that just because he's been there so often and he's a local recruit right in the Michigan's backyard and he's got a good relationship with a lot of the kids who are already committed there. So I feel like something would have to change for him not to wind up there. But again, you get a guy on campus, it's an obvious step in the right direction. He's at least listening to the staff at that point. And preschool has been, we haven't talked about him a ton because, again, he's not really out there a whole lot. His recruiting has been very quiet from an intel perspective, but he's been one of their top offensive targets throughout the cycle. So the staff was excited to get him in town, did what they could with him. You know, we'll see where things go from here on out. We'll see if he's one of those guys who makes it back for a June official visit. That would be key in his recruitment, I would say, because – with how heavily it seems that he's been drawn to Michigan, I wouldn't be surprised if it wraps up before official visit season. I don't know if that's going to happen. I haven't heard any indication that that is going to happen. It's just one of those things where you see where things are trending and you, you see that he is a Michigan lean and all the factors we already mentioned. It's like, hmm, at what point does that come to an end and he just decides to stay home? But Penn State's under consideration. And if he gets back in June, we'll be talking about him a lot more, that's for sure. Hey, Penn State's top-rated tight end commit last cycle spent some time in Michigan's yes. recruiting class before he found his way to the Nittany Lions. And I, I will say, I mean, both of those crystal balls pointing to Michigan. Uh, we'll see. Maybe maybe he doesn't come back for an official visit. And the next time you see Brady Prescorn in Happy Valley, he's wearing a Michigan uniform playing for the opposing team. That happens sometimes, uh, but we've always got to note it when Penn State and their history at tight end they get a chance to, to, to impress somebody on campus. Uh, they're going to put themselves in the conversation at least. Talking about past targets, Chance Wiggins has been a name you've discussed for a while. Uh, Virginia prospect out of King George High School. Uh, naturally, when you hire UVA's coach as your new receivers coach, there's some strength and ties involved there. Uh, where are things with Wiggins, who also is part of that Calvary making the trip to campus in recent days? Yeah, so first time getting him for him getting back to campus since January, which is also the first time that he's been on campus with Marcus Higgins in place as the wide receivers coach. And 
Higgins was after Wiggins pretty hard when he was at Virginia, so that relationship obviously carries over. They have a long-standing relationship. That's a good thing for Penn State. Wiggins has maintained a pretty high level of interest in Penn State throughout the cycle. You know, he's been really high on the Nittany Lions. They've been close to the top of his list for a while. But my read on this recruitment right now is honestly Virginia Tech. He's been there more than anywhere else. He's been with Brent Pryor and his staff a lot. And while he is extremely interested in Penn State, there are some other guys at the position who are ahead of him. You know, the Chance Robinsons and the Josiah Browns. Those are priority guys for Penn State at the position. They're taking a close look at Wiggins, that's for sure. But with those two being ahead of him, you know, Virginia Tech making him more of a priority. I like where the Hokies are at right now. North Carolina's done a pretty good job as well. But we'll see where this one goes because, again, you don't know how the dominoes are going to fall on the wide receiver board. If he finds himself in a position where he is prioritized more and more as the spring and summer go on, I think you're going to see Penn State continue to stay at the top of his list because he loves the program, loves the school, and then you got the relationship with Higgins carrying over. That's a big deal for him. Well, we started this show and, and carried a lot of it with a former All-American linebacker here in Brandon Short. Let's finish with focus on a linebacker recruit, top 24-7 variety, in Gabriel Williams out of St. Vincent Pelodi in Maryland. What's the latest on Williams, who is the number 22 overall linebacker? In yeah, it it seems like there's still really broad scope for him in his recruitment. He still feels really, really wide open to me at this point. Good visit, it seems, but he's going to be getting Arizona State later this week. He's going to be getting back to in-state Maryland. He's going to get to USC at some point. He doesn't have a date for that yet, but I just have a really wide open field of this one right now. He doesn't have any official set yet. I'm not sure when he's going to schedule any of them. You know, he's up there on the linebacker board with a lot of the top guys we've discussed throughout the cycle. Chris Jones, Jamonta Waller, Chris Cole, he's a new one. But it's tough to get a read on Williams right now. Chris Cole, by the way, sounded fired up about his uh, his on campus experience uh, watching this watching this team practice. And Penn State, by the way, they've got two linebackers on board: uh, Kari Jackson out of West Bloomfield High School in, in Michigan, and then uh, from Pittsburgh Central Catholic Anthony Specka on board with the 2024 class. Both of them four stars in the composite ratings. Tyler, appreciate it. I know you've got a lot going on at the site right now, lines247.com. Basketball moves football visits. There's a lot happening. We appreciate you breaking it all down for us and, and hopping on the podcast to do the same. Thanks for having me back on, man. All right. Talk to you soon. Good stuff, as always, from Tyler Calvaruzzo. Thanks again to Brandon Short for all of his perspective uh, for much of this podcast on a lot of challenges, opportunities here for Penn State Athletics. We'll be back with another episode a bit later in the week. Break down what we saw on the practice field from the Nittany Lions as they neared the blue-white game next Saturday. I'll talk about some more recruiting updates and a bunch of commentary from Penn State coaches and players that we're sorting through right now up on the site. We'll have a chance to dive into that more on our next episode of this podcast as we start to get to know these 2023 Nittany Lions a bit better. For now, stepping aside, I am Tyler Donahue. You've been tuned in to the Lions 24-7 podcast.